welcome to the Pop Culture Club Podcast. Now let's begin. First up, we have Ragnar. How's it going, Ragnar? Well, it's going uh, quite well, and hello out there, everyone. Excellent. And last but not least, we have Lillian Knelson. How's it going, Lillian? Hello, everybody. We're doing well out here. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, before we get into tonight's topic, um, a couple, like, so the previous episode to this, which was Geek Fallout Reloaded, Kevin and I recorded it. And one of the news items that we talked about was um, uh, Justin Roiland uh, being let go from Rick and Morty. Um, he's one of the co-creators. And, at, at you know, so, like, he's, um, you know, long story short, he's uh, been charged with uh, domestic abuse uh, dating back to 2020. Um, so now they're just finally getting around to you know, bringing him to court and stuff, I guess. Uh, so Adult Swim has, you know, severed ties with him. And uh, they have stated that Rick and Morty will continue on without him. So anyway, we reported this. And for, for whatever reason, in my brain, I was thinking it was Dan Harmon that was the, doing the voices of Rick and Morty. Uh, but it's actually Justin Roiland that does the voices of Rick and Morty. So he's he actually is the voice actor for both the title characters. Um, so I how, how the heck are they going to do the show without him? Yeah, that's how Cre- like created the well, show. The and voice actors can do the thing. Like, but I don't know. I like it, to me. Uh, someone made the comparison. Um, it'd be like them doing Family Guy without Seth MacFarlane. It you know it just wouldn't yeah. be the same. So I don't know. No, it won't be. You know, we'll we'll the, see see what happens. I, I don't know. Another comparison is is uh, the Ren and Stimpy show. Yeah, because I don't know everyone's names, but originally it was the guy who created the show was doing either one or both of the voices, and then they got rid of him. Yeah. 
and then they brought in Billy West to do both the voices. And you can't, you can only barely tell that the voices are different, but getting rid of the creator didn't just mean that the, the voices were slightly different. It also meant that the writing was different. Yeah. And and if you watch Ren and Stimpy, the first couple seasons are so weird. Whereas the later ones are like so much tamer by comparison. Yeah. So, you know, Lily's right. They can totally get a voice actors in like those voices wouldn't be that hard to do. Yeah. But it it won't be the same. And they would be much better off to just end the show. Yeah. Or, or hiatus for a while or something. And I just I just find it weird that like I mean, you know, like I I mean he hasn't actually been charged yet. Well, he hasn't been convicted. Well, he didn't he also have to leave the show for a while because he had an alcoholic problem? That I don't know. But, I mean... And I thought I heard something about he... In order to do Rick, he would always do the voice. He'd be, like, half drunk. And then eventually he had a problem with alcohol and he had to take a bunch of time off. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what I heard. I, I didn't research this. That's well, just what one person told me. Yeah, and that... And, and, I mean, since this story came out, there is a bunch of other stuff that's come out like that people are saying like he's you know been inappropriate with women and you know um sending inappropriate messages to people um so i don't so that's, know so so if there's more than one thing that's why the studio is probably like okay yeah. you know one thing who knows but if there's a whole slew of allegations they're probably like nope you're gone you're yeah. done yeah so that that shows a pattern and that probably means like, yeah, that's a shame. It is, um, you know, like, I mean, they, you know, yeah, they could, pro you know, possibly find a good voice actor, like, you know. Who, yeah, I'm sure like, they can, but. And Dan Harmon's still part of it, so. Like, mm. it, you know, like, it, it is a co-creation, so it's just one of the creators being, uh, no, no longer being yeah. part of it. So the other guy's still there, so. We'll have to see. Um, I, I'm not going to lie, as time has gone on, I, I kind of am not a huge fan of that show anymore. Like, I remember watching the first season and it was like, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. But eventually it just, every storyline just became about like, oh yeah, Rick's an asshole to everybody and I don't know, it, it, it kind of lost its appeal for me. Yeah, I, I can but, see uh, that. Um, and I, I've heard people say that, but this last season I thought was just awesome. Like, you know, and they left it on yeah, such okay. a cool cliffhanger. Well, not a cliffhanger, but okay. there's a new threat to the Rick and Morty universe. And I think that like, you know, basically it's like they, how Marvel set up Thanos and, you know, to the infinity saga. Okay. And now they're kind of trying to set up Kang. So basically like they have Kang now, like their version like their second big bad of the show that's, okay. you know, probably the plan was to take them to season 10. Cause I think that's where they're going. Like 10 seasons, I believe is what the wow. plan is. So, so, but we'll see, but I just wanted to throw that out there that I, I completely, for some reason thought Dan Harmon was the guy who did the voices, not Justin Roiland. So when I see, or when I heard that, I was like, uh Oh, you know, that, that story is a little bit bigger than, I thought it was, but <clears throat> but we'll see. All right. Well, for tonight's topic, we are uh, talking about Star Trek. Are you a Star Trek 
fan. Um, and the reason why uh, we're doing this, it's been a while since we talked about Star Trek on the network. Uh, Trek 171 is coming back. I keep saying that. Um, we are planning for, you know, a late February uh, recording. Uh, but in the meantime... It's, it's just been a nightmare trying to get everyone's schedules to sync. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, with Trek 171, we like to record with everybody. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, with people changing jobs and, and you know, life stuff, um, it's just been hard to get everyone together. Uh, but in the meantime, I thought, you know, we're Star Trek fans, you know, here as well. And, uh, you know, like, let's, uh, let's talk a little Star Trek. I tried getting, uh, a guest for this evening. Unfortunately, um, it's where, you know, where he lives, uh, they had a big snowstorm and he was unfortunately unable to record with us because I think he had to pull like a double or a triple shift today because a bunch of people called in they couldn't get their get out of their driveway type of thing and you know he has a job that he has to be at so uh it'll be just the three of us but uh I think it you know we're we're Star Trek fans here and it'll still be good um well I know it'll be good so my first question my first question I like threesomes it's fine <laughs> Um, my first question <laughs> to everybody is first Star Trek you ever watched. So what, sh what series got you into watching Star Trek and Lillian, we'll start with you. What was the first Star Trek series that you ever watched? It wasn't actually a series. Um, I had a crush on a boy and we went to go see first contact together. Oh, um, and that got me into next gen essentially, um, because I was like, this is amazing. And so I, I, I would, you know, I started watching next gen whenever I could catch it on TV, which thankfully when the space channel came around, it was always on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so next gen was, was my, my introduction to Star Trek. Excellent. Yeah. First contact. That was the first Star Trek movie that I was able to take myself to. Because I was 16 when it came out, so I had my driver's license, I had my truck at the time, and that was the first movie I was able to actually take myself to the theater to watch it. Wait, that, that, that might actually... Star Trek Four. that's the one with the whales, right? Yep. Um, I swear we had that on VHS, and I love that movie because I love time travel. I have an obsession with it. So maybe maybe I had an understanding of Star Trek, but it wasn't something I voluntarily watched myself. But yep. yeah, yeah. And so your introduction to Star Trek is the one where the Borg go back in time and try to destroy humanity. I love time things. Yeah, yes, pretty much. It's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting introduction. Yep. Yep. Um. For myself, uh, the first Star Trek I ever watched was the original series. Um, and it, like, I don't know if it was the original series, series, or if it was the original series movies, because they used to air them on CTV in the 80s a lot. Um, you know, like, they would switch it up between, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars every few months, right? Um, like, my mom said, like, when I was, like, a toddler... They had recorded Star Trek Two on a VHS tape, and you know, basically to get me to you know chill out and you know you know just sit in front of the TV. She would put Star Trek Two in the VCR, 
and I would sit there and watch it. Um, so nothing's changed. You're a yeah. grandfather now. Yeah. And if that I'm came on, you're still going to just sit there and calmly watch it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I don't know if it was the original series movies, but I do remember watching the original series with my dad, who ironically is not a Star Trek fan. Uh, he, you know, I'm sure he watched, like, he knows of Star Trek. He's watched it before, like, it was on when he was a kid. Um, but it was, CBC used to air it just before Hockey Night in Canada. So it, it would be on TV from, like, 4 to 5, and then Hockey Night in Canada would start at 5. And my dad's a big hockey so he would just So he would just watch it so that he didn't miss the hockey game? Yes. Yeah, so he would he would have the channel tuned to CBC, and then yeah, I'd, we'd just sit and watch Star Trek for an hour, and then and then hockey would come on. So uh, cool. Yeah, so between my mom, you know, putting the VHS tape in, and my dad, you know, getting prepped for Hockey Night in Canada, and, and Star Trek happening 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 to be the show that aired before it, that's really what got me into into Star Trek was the original series. So Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Uh, Scotty, you know, the whole, the whole group. So, yeah, and this was like pre-TNG, so this was like, you know, the early, you know, to mid-80s, so, and TNG was 87. I actually didn't get into watching TNG until like 1989 when we, we moved to our acreage that we lived at, uh, because... When we moved to the acreage, we were able to get another channel from Edmonton, which was, uh, which is now Global Edmonton, uh, but back then it was called ITV, and they used to air Star Trek Next Generation. So when we moved out to the acreage, then I was able to watch TNG, and it was in its third, it was starting its third season at the time. Uh, and then, yeah, I just got into watching TNG after that, and but yeah, it was the original series that got me into it. Uh, so Ragnar, what was the first Star Trek you ever watched? Before we get to that... Does it make you feel really old to tell stories about when you live somewhere where there was only one channel to watch? Yeah, and and uh... <laughs> like, isn't that crazy? Like, think about like like today. I'm sitting down and I'm scrolling through Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and Netflix and the Roku channel, and I'm still kind of like, eh, there's nothing to watch. <laughs> yeah, you what, know, what, and then compare what? that. Like, there was a point. When you had one channel, and that was it. There yeah. were no options, and if you missed a show, you missed a show. But at the same time, like, Ragnar, you, having traveled, you stay in hotels and things. So, like, yeah. we stayed in a hotel for Dan's work party, and I turn on the TV, and I go to the guide, and it's, like, the scrolling oh, TV yeah. guide. Yeah. And there's yeah. only so many channels, and I'm going, what? What is this madness? <laughs> I, I I hate it when I'm in a hotel room because there's often shows that I would like to watch. Not always, but often. I just can't stand the commercials. Yeah. And it just seems like you're watching like a twenty like a twenty five minute show and there'll be five commercial breaks. And the commercial breaks are like two to three minutes long. They turn the volume up on them. 
And I just like, and it's always the same commercials. It's not like every break is new commercials. It's the same ones again and again and again and again. Are we yep. just more impatient, or have it has it always been that short of a commercial break? Like, or the show would be the commercial breaks have... used to be shorter, and they used to be less frequent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but also, there used to be a bigger variety of commercials. Yeah, because now a lot of companies are like, it's not worth advertising on here anymore. Yeah. Well, I, 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 like back in the day, um, like an hour long drama translated to like 42 minutes of, of actual show. Yeah. And the other 18 minutes was filled up with commercials and credits. Um, back, but I know back you, in the sixties, you go way back. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. going to say back in the sixties, the original series used to be 50 minutes long. So, yeah. uh, when I rewatched like when I would watch the original series uh, when it when it aired for me, uh, it was actually a, a, a watered down version because they had cut like five to eight minutes out of the show. It wasn't until I got older and I started buying like the VHS tapes at Music World um, yeah. that I actually got the full show um, just because they used to cut them down for commercials. Um, but and it also, wasn't even the network that cut it down. It would have been like the local station yes. did it. Yeah. So who knows what they cut out, right? Yeah. And especially when Star Trek got popular, you know, because that that's what saved it was it would air in syndication and, and it got so popular that they brought it back. But to to add to your question or question the Ragnar about feeling old, like, yeah, when I used to watch TNG, I used to have to turn, go outside and turn my antenna. And point it towards Edmonton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. <laughs> in order to pick up TNG. Uh, and in the wintertime, because, you know, it would freeze and there would be ice and all that, I, I would have to use a pipe wrench to move uh, the antenna. <laughs> wow. So, but anyway, sorry, Ragnar. Uh, your first, no, star, no, what was, was your, the first Star Trek that you ever watched? So TNG would have been the first Star Trek I ever watched. Um, not in any kind of sequence, because it would have been in syndication on whatever station out of the four or five stations we would have had that aired it. Um, and I would have just seen random episodes, but I definitely liked it. Mm -hmm. But then when Deep Space Nine started, that's the one where I watched the very first episode, the first yeah. night it aired on TV, and every week my mom and I would watch it, and we watched it the whole run. So, which, you know is a little bit more impressive when it's on TV because you had to kind of schedule it. You had to know, like, yep. you know, I don't remember exactly, but, okay, Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock, you have to be there to watch the episode. Maybe they'll rerun the same episode later in the week, but I'm not sure. Um, so there was a certain commitment, whereas now it's still, it's still impressive to say you watched all of DS9 because there's – what, 26 episodes in a season and each one is 42 minutes long. That's a lot of content to get through. But um, watching it all on the original airing, you know, like I started watching it as a kid and I finished watching it in high school. So that was kind of neat. But yeah, so DS9 is the one that I always consider as what made me a Trekkie. But I, I know I would have seen Next Gen... TV, like, episodes on TV, and, and certainly would have liked them. Like, because I knew who Picard was when mm -hmm. he showed up, and so on, so. 
Or at least I think I did. Yeah. And he, I mean, he was on the, um, he was think, on the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine as well. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that I knew who he was. Yeah. Um, and um, and I definitely by the time we got to where Worf shows up, I definitely knew by then who Worf was and was super excited for that. Yep. Um, and then as for the original series, I've never watched all of it. I've only watched some of well, the movies and some of the episodes. And I don't dislike it at all. But it's just so dated mm-hmm. that it's really hard to get through. And the episodes are very, by by modern standards, very slow. And, of course, the special effects are, you know, not great. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're somewhat hard to watch for a modern audience. But uh, I didn't, you know, the ones I have watched I didn't dislike, and I enjoyed the movies. I still think uh, Wrath of Khan is a totally kick-ass movie. Yep. I, I rewatched it maybe a year ago, and I it was great. So yeah, but but yeah, DS Nine through and through. All right. Um. All right. So my second question is your favorite Star Trek series. So Lillian, what is your favorite Star Trek series? Honestly, um, I have to, if I had to, I had to think about this. A lot of these, I don't know about you guys, but they required me to have to sort into categories. Like, which one do I watch? Not like I've enjoyed a lot of them, but favorite, like, would I watch it over and over again happily? And I had to come back to TNG just because um, I really enjoyed the fact that I could watch an episode and I really, it was done. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of them did have overarching storylines, but it didn't feel like I had to keep watching to end something. It was done. It was completed. We moved on. The ship had happy stories, you know? Yeah. So, D- I mean, DS9 is bad if that's what you like. Yeah. You know, it's not, it, it, it's not necessarily that you had to watch every episode, but they all built on each other. Whereas next gen, it was still mostly self-contained, which is, which is nice. And that's where I could watch it and I wouldn't have to worry about that. So definitely, I think DNG just because, I can watch it happily without having to feel like I have to binge it. Excellent. Um, for me, I'm, I'm, if, if you've ever listened to Trek 171, you probably already know this answer, but uh, for me, it's Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, Cause like Rag, what Ragnar was saying, like I'm, I'm totally with Ragnar. Um, like I watched Deep Space Nine right from the beginning. Like I remember watching that first episode when it first aired. We were probably watching it on the same TV station at the same time, man. Yeah, probably ITV. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was ITV. And yeah. I think, it, like, the pilot aired right after The Next Generation. So TNG aired at 7. Then the pilot was ah. on at 8. But then I think they moved okay, it so to I, Mon- I think they moved them to Mondays with the second episode. Oh, Okay. And then they moved them to so Wednesday. So if it was still like that, then I would have I would have been watching the TNG episode and then the DS9 episode. Yeah, it's possible. Um, but yeah, no, I, I yeah I watched that from episode one right till the final episode. Um, and f- well, I guess it's probably five years ago now. 2018, I did a complete rewatch of of Deep Space Nine, yeah. and it still holds up. Um, the only yep. the only complaint I have, and it's not against the show, uh, it's the fact that unfortunately it didn't get the Blu-ray treatment the way TNG did. No, um, no, it sure did. 
and, and it, I know it's a cost thing, but I, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, with technology changing and it being easier to convert to, uh, you know, Blu-ray that, um, you know, or HD, whatever you want to call it, um, will Deep Space Nine will get that treatment. Um, because, like, one, one of the... And TNG is a close second for me. Um, because I, I, I love TNG. And I especially love, like, since they did, like, the Blu-ray conversion, going back and re-watching TNG. Uh, just recently I went back and did a rewatch of episodes I don't necessarily, you know, didn't necessarily love originally. Um, because oh, cool. when, yeah, when I would do my rewatch, I'd always watch my favorite episodes because I knew which ones they yeah. were. Yeah. Uh, so I'd always skip over episodes. So like during Christmas and stuff, um, I was watching some TNG and I was just rewatching episodes that I haven't watched since probably, you know, the nineties. And it was a lot of fun, even though some of the episodes were pretty bad. The only one I skipped entirely was uh, when Dr. Crusher was banging her grandma's lover. That episode. <laughs> that was pretty bad. That, that's a pretty bad episode. <laughs> and, the, and then there's those Scottish people that are aliens. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and, yeah, that was a hot mess. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, and yeah. But anyway, yeah, Deep Space Nine, that's my uh that's my favorite. And and like I said, TNG is a close second. Um, Ragnar, your favorite Star Trek series. Well, I sort of answered this already, so it's DS9, hands down, no no competition. But what I'm gonna do is instead of talking about DS9 more, which if you want to hear me talk about DS9, just listen to the old Trek seventeen oh one podcast and you get to hear many hours of, of that. Um I wanted to say that recently I watched Star Trek Lower Decks mm. and I actually really enjoyed it. And that's a big deal because I hated all of the new Trek stuff. Yeah. I didn't mind the J.J. Abrams movie, but I didn't love them. And every time I watched them, I liked them a little bit less, but I didn't hate them. And there were parts of them that I really liked, but but overall I I was kind of neutral. Mm-hmm. But I really disliked the Picard show. I really disliked Discovery, and I did give them both a chance. I didn't just watch one episode and bail. I I watched all of season one of both of those. I have not watched Strange New Worlds, and and Chris, you have recommended it to me, and and so is my other friend well, who uh... loves Star Trek. I, I I'll retract that. I I don't recommend it. Um, it's not, oh, okay. it's, not it's not terrible. What? Uh, it's beautiful. Well, Anson Mount's beautiful. Let's be honest. I, and, and Rebecca Anson, Rebecca Romain. Um, well, anyways, it, I, it's, I will it's not watch terrible. It, it's I all right, that. but I, I wouldn't so necessarily right. recommend it. To okay, all right. You have said it's all right. Yeah. I, I actually kind record. of in all honesty, I actually kind of bailed on it. I still got like five episodes oh okay but so so anyways i haven't seen i haven't seen that i'm hearing we're now hearing mixed reviews (laughs) it it it, it, Uh, it is hard to give up because anson mount is just he he's he's a diamond in the rough man like he you know yeah he brings that show to a whole new level that's sort of what my other friend had said it's worth it's worth watching it just for his his character yeah and and i'll probably go back um 
So, but anyways, I really liked Lower Decks. And I was definitely only watching it because it was one of those nights where you just can't find anything that you want to watch. And so eventually you just pick something. And I thought I was going to hate it. But I loved it. And, and what I love about it is that it is clearly written by people who love Star Trek. And it is clearly the showrunner is very passionate about Star Trek because it it connects to all of the Star Treks that I like. It connects to the original series. It connects to Next Gen. It connects to DS9 and it connects to Voyager. It doesn't really talk about Enterprise much, but it, it probably could. And then it doesn't talk about any of the new Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. So watching it, it, it's, you know, a parody. It's a comedy, mm-hmm. but it's set in the Star Trek world. And so as the seasons go on, they go to Deep Space Nine and they meet Major Kira and, you know, um, Tom Paris shows up and oh, Riker. Riker shows up and oh, I love it so much. And it was and it was awesome and it was funny and it still felt like Star Trek, but it was definitely like a parody and it's just riddled with Easter eggs for for people who like Star Trek. So I loved it and I know they're still making more of it and I'm super excited because it meant that now I have the Orville. And Lower Decks, that's two Star Treks to be excited about. And and whether or not they ever make more Orville, I don't know. It's still up in the air. But uh, I was really excited to have now have two Star Trek shows to be excited for. Because I, I didn't like I didn't like Discovery, I didn't like Picard, and I tried to watch that Nickelodeon kids one mm. that has uh, Janeway as the hologram and I couldn't get into it. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember what that one's called. But, uh, but anyways, I really like Lower Decks, and so I'll, I would probably rank the shows as DS9, TNG, and then Lower Decks, and then Voyager and Enterprise. And I'm not putting the original series in there because I, I haven't watched it, and it it's you kind of have to treat it separately because it's just so aged, yeah. I guess. Yeah. All right. Um, so the next question is, favorite Star Trek character and Lillian who is your favorite Star Trek character <laughs> any character oh. okay so again this is not an easy question that's um, a tough one it'd be so different if you said favorite Star Trek character in each series or favorite Star Trek character who is a villain or like, or, or like favorite captain or favorite ex- security we team. do have that question later on so I had to be like okay favorite Star Trek character so teenage me would have said Wesley Crusher, and that's why my husband made me a Wesley Crusher. He ordered a Wesley Crusher cake for my uh, for my birthday a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, but He's a, crushing it. I had such a crush on Will Wheaton, horribly obsessed, um, and it was one of the things, ironically, that kept me watching Star Trek because teenage me, there was like a cute boy, um, but then adult me uh, would say. That if I had to think of my favorite, if I gravitate towards, say, I had to buy a figure or if I had to watch something with someone in an episode, it would be any Spock, every Spock. It would just be Spock. I have I have a horrible crush on all of most Vulcans, um, which kind of it's a 
pointed ear thing. It works with elves too. But Spock is like, I love and his different. Like very, you like them because they're pretty and they're arrogant. I do, but Spock is such a fantastic. Like honestly, um, in Strange New Worlds, Spock is so beautiful. Like he's so funny, and his relationship with everybody is just just beautiful. Just like in in the J.J. Abrams movie, they brought a new side of Spock, and Zachary Quinto did a great job there. Mm-hmm. You know, the rich, yeah, Spock, I thought he was very believable as Spock. He was fantastic considering he was considering he was the new version of the god that is Leonard Nimoy. Like. Yeah, I, I thought he did a really good job. So good. And so Spock is probably listed as one of my all-time favorite characters. D- hands down, if I had to think about who would I daydream or fantasize about most in Star Trek. Spock. I always play a Vulcan Betazoid whenever I RPG Star Trek, and it's always based off of that. But then claim it coming in a close second, I had to think of, like, Saru from D- Discovery. I love his. I love him so much. But I also think Doug the best Joe part of Discovery. He was. So, that's me. All right. I have an issue. Apparently, I have picked favorites based on my libido. Hey, there's nothing wrong with I that. I suspect. Because yeah, right. <laughs> um, with my, my favorite character, um, Lieutenant Commander Data, he's my favorite character in Star Trek. But the, Also oh, picked because of libido. Well, I was going to say... I never, you know, I would, I like, I've heard, like, there's this one lady in in the the documentary movie Trekkies, who is like obsessed with Data and Brent Spiner, and she would like paint. Oh like, man, didn't he have all these crazy women that were totally obsessed yeah. with him? And I, I was like, I don't. Get I it. am so happy to not be ranked amongst those. I love Data's character, but I'm not stalker obsessed. Yeah, I, I and I never understood that until. The la- second last episode of Star Trek Picard, uh, first season, when they had like that date, that girl version, uh, where she had like the yellow skin and the yellow eyes, and and it, I forget that actress's name, but you know she's she's you know basically like Data's daughter or whatever. Um, still confusing to me, but anyway, when I seen it was her, not clear. Yeah, when I seen her in that makeup and stuff, I was like. Oh, I get it now, because yeah, you know, <laughs> like it just made her like a million times hotter. I don't know what it, what it is, but anyway, uh, Lieutenant Commander Data. I always, you know, I always loved Data uh, on TNG. Um, you know, he was an android. I, I I always loved those episodes when you you know when they would open up his head or or you know he'd plug into the the computer. Um, you know, the fact that he was super strong, the fact that, you know, I don't know how many times he saved the Enterprise. Like, if, if it wasn't for Data, they would, they'd have been dead. So many times. Yeah. And, you know, and he, you know. And to be fair, when he died, like, I'm using air quotes, when he died, everybody in the theater, like, if you were a Star Trek fan, you were crying. Like, you were upset. And I, and I... I hated how they brought him back in Star Trek Picard. Like, his consciousness, I guess. Um, you know, because it's like, we already said bye to him. Like, he died a hero. You know, like... So I, I didn't really like that part of him. But I know they... You know, like, in Nemesis, like, he was trying to transfer his consciousness to his... You know, to the B4 android. Uh, and it was, you know, basically it was like a Wrath of Khan, you know, it was like when Spock mind melded with McCoy and said, remember, like that was their backdoor way of bringing Spock back. 
um, you know, like they were thinking, well, you know, if, if, you know, data, you know, if we want more data in the future, you know, this is our way of bringing them back. And they did in Picard. It's just, it wasn't done well. No, which no. sucks. Um, which I'm pretty sure most of us are of the mind that we just don't, we don't count Picard as anything. Yeah, and and I keep seeing and these. It's such a shame. It had it had everything going for it, and they just totally shit the bed. Well, and I keep seeing the uh, these people that have uh, got a sneak peek at um, season three of Picard, and they're saying that it's actually good because you know they're bringing back the you know the original series cat like the original TNG cast like all of them. And Lord. I'm sure we'll all watch it because of that, but yeah, whether so, or not that makes it good is hard If they to end say. up getting good at season three, I'm just going to be like, okay, so you had a really steep learning curve on how to do this, right? I mean, when you think about it, when you think about season one, the only really good episode is the one where he goes to Riker and Troy's house and they make pizza. Mm-hmm. And, and like when you think about the story... That's like a really lame episode, but it was the only good episode in the season because it was the only one that kind of even felt Star Trek-y. Yeah. So I'm sure season three will, will be the same. It probably won't be good, but getting to see all those guys again will be enough that you're you're going to watch it and get some enjoyment from it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out just to, just to see what's what. But anyway, uh, real quick, getting back to Commander Data. Uh, I love Brent Spiner. Like, he's such a good actor. I used to love when they would have Data doing different things. Like that episode, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, the, a Fistful of Datas, where it was like the Western, where Worf's stuck in the holodeck, and they're in the, in, in the Western, and, and, you know, Brent Spiner's playing all those versions of the bad guy. You know, he plays the bad, you know, the big bad guy, and then he plays the bad guy's son, and then he plays the Mexican bad guy, and and then and then he ends up being, like, the female bartender at the end that's in love with Worf. <laughs> like, it, like, like, like that just, guy's such you a... You just know that he had a riot making that oh, episode. Oh, yeah. Like, he's such a great actor. You know, I, I loved it when, when they would uh, um, cut loose and, and let him, you know, just exercise his acting chops. Because, you know, to be fair, like, I mean, Data is an emotionless android. So there is, like, a, not, a whole lot that he was being held back you know, a lot of times. Oh yeah. And, um, so, you know, when he got to, you know, got to shine as an actor, it was like, wow, this is awesome. Um, and also like, yeah, he played lore and like, cause that's one of the great things about Brent Spiner is he's one of those actors that is so funny and charismatic, but he can also play evil really well. Like you, like you believe that lore was a killer and that he was not, you know, like he was the opposite of data. Um, so I am kind of interested to see, you know, lore coming back for season three of Picard. So we'll see what happens. Um, all right, Ragnar, your favorite Star Trek character. Well, as a, as a kid, it was always Worf, like no contest. Mm -hmm. And then as I, um, became interested in, in women, it was Jadzia Dax. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then now, as an adult, it's definitely Martok. Yeah, Martok's and, awesome. And every episode yeah. of DS9 that he's in, I'm just like, oh, he's the best. Um, so, 
Yeah, so basically Klingons. <laughs> but Worf was always my favorite character as a kid. Um, you know, when I'd play, play Star Trek with my friends, I'd always be Worf, and my other friend would usually be Data. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I, I still love the character of Worf. I, I know that Michael Dorn at one point wanted to do a series about the adventures of Captain Worf, and that mm-hmm. would have been really cool. Yep. And uh, I was always disappointed in the Star Trek Next Gen movies when they would bring Worf back, that they never really mentioned anything that was happening on DS9 or, like, his wife or her death or anything like that. They always were just kind of like, oh, thanks for taking vacation. Come help us on an adventure. Yep. And and while it was, you know, obviously you had to have him there, I still was like, well, they could have thrown something in about DS9, especially while it was still airing. Well, a uh, uh, couple behind-the-scenes things. Um, they originally were going to have that, like Jadzia in First Contact. Like she, like she was going to be with Worf on that movie. Oh. But they cut her scenes, or her lines, um, because they felt that it took away... Cause you know, like, Dr. Crusher basically has nothing to do in that movie. Um, so they, they felt they were taking away from her. Um, because, from what I understand, and then they kind of rewrote it, I think, with uh, the Lily character. Because um, it would have been Dax that would have been, like, learning, you know, you know, Dax would have been the POV for the audience to learn about the new Enterprise. Um, right. But... You know, for whatever reason, they didn't do that. Uh, and now now we're hearing that, you know, um, Terry Farrell had issues with Rick Berman, and he didn't like her, and all that kind right. of stuff. So maybe that played into it. Um, oh, I'm sure it did. So that's unfortunate. But also, uh, the reason why Worf was always showing up in the movies is because that was part of the agreement for him to go to Deep Space Nine. He's like, I'll do Deep Space Nine, but I want to be in these TNG movies, too. Like, that as part of my deal. Well, I mean... Yeah. I'm I'm not upset I'm not upset that they brought him back. It would oh, no, no. weird if they had. Yeah. I, I just meant that it I always was just like they can't throw anything his way about DSign and then also I was like, Well, if they brought Worf back, how come they never bring Chief O'Brien back? But I yeah. get it. In Enterprise O'Brien was a background character, essentially. And what... Worf is bridge crew. Like honestly the only What do, what do they say Lily, what do they say in uh Lower Decks, bridge crew always come back? Oh, goodness. Something, something like that? Yeah, bridge, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. The, the thing that used to bug me about Worf showing up on those movies wasn't the fact that he showed up and stuff. Like, I, I, I totally agree with you right now. I wish there were, was some mention of Deep Space Nine a little bit. Uh, it was the fact that who's replaced Worf on on the Enterprise? Like, they're, they have to have a chief tactical officer slash security right. chief so that when Worf's not when yeah you're right that's a good point like who's the, not there who the who the hell did they get yeah like who's that guy like uh at least on first contact they introduced and what did the, they just tell that guy oh uh Worf's on vacation so he's gonna fill in so uh, why don't you go take your vacation yeah exactly it's like <laughs> like you know like in the in first contact when they're having like the senior staff meeting it's like where's the new security guy he's not there that's a, um, that's a great point that I never thought about. The the only thing I'll give them credit for is they did they did introduce a new helmsman and that was uh, Lieutenant Hawk. 
who ends up getting yeah. killed in first contact. Um, yeah, but at of least, course. but at least they, you know, finally replace Lieutenant Rowe, right? Like, you know, finally they have a new character, but then they killed him off and we should have known because he was a red shirt, you know, it was, it was coming. Um, and it, it's, yeah, uh, bridge officers always come back from the dead. So yeah, bridge crew always come back. Excellent. I just had to look it up. Unless you're Tasha, but then I guess you yeah, do okay. come back in a backward sort of way. Yep, it's always come back. <laughs> Alternate timeline with a daughter, yeah. Um, um, all right, Lillian, uh, your least favorite series. So which is a Star Trek series that you just don't watch or don't care for? <laughs> so here's the thing. I had to swap my answer because I realized I was doing a... Originally, my go-to reaction was Deep Space Nine. Um, and I know you guys love oh, that, that, that one. Oh, that's but fine. I but here's the thing. I realized that... I I am obsessed with some of the characters in Deep Space Nine. I may not have cared for some of the stories, and it may not have been one I watched like on my own. But I would be lying if I said I was not. I, entra- I was entranced by Odo and Quark, and I love the stories of the Dominion. And I mean, I it's where I first discovered that I could have a crush on a Cardassian. I'm like, okay, which one? we're open to this. <laughs> what, what, which one, Ducat or Garrick or? Uh, Ducat. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so bad boy Cardassian Spoonhead works for me. Wow, he, he was such a great villain. Hey? Such, but he was so good, and like, there's such rich so writing good. in DS9, and there's so many awesome characters with storylines that just you can't not watch them. So I had to, I had to delete that for a second because then I realized, no, it's Enterprise. Mm, there. Because that one, I'll just, I mean, I can't say the same about Enterprise. I can't say that I enjoyed the characters or the storyline. I love the theme song, but I also have a, I, I love Rod Stewart. So Enterprise is my least favorite series. You got to like, you got to get all the way into like season three before Enterprise gets good. And I mean, I I love some of the characters, but I love them because I also appreciate the actors, not so much the rest of it. Yeah. So that's me. Fair. <laughs> well, what what you were saying, Lillian, about Deep Space Nine and how you, you know that was on your list, and but you liked some of the characters. That's kind of how I feel about Voyager. Um. So, like, for least favorite series, like, obviously I've already mentioned that, you know, I don't like Discovery, I don't like Picard. So I'm not going to go there. I'm I'm, I'm not going to focus on New Trek. But out of the, you know, the Roddenberry Berman era of, of Star Trek, um, Voyager is probably the one I like the least. And it's not, and like, what you were saying, Lillian, like, I liked, I really like, like, pretty much all the characters on Voyager. Um, you know, even Neelix, like Neelix, people call, you know, people say he's the Jar Jar Banks of Star Trek, but I never got that. I, I always liked Neelix. So I thought he was great. Uh, you know, I really like Robert Picardo. You know, I, he's one of my favorite actors. Um, you know, and everyone was great on that show. It's just, for me, it was the writing. Like it was a show that had so much potential, but it just got wasted due to, um, bad writing and some bad creative decisions i think by like rick berman and some of the showrunners so and i mean it's not to say i hate it you know i do like voyager like i said you know i like the the cast uh 
I like the ship, you know, and, and, and the design and everything has kind of grown on me, um, over the years. Um, but out of the, out of the Berman era, Rodemary Berman era, that's the one that, you know, I, that was the first Star Trek show I actually dropped. I was like halfway through season three and I'm like, you know, I'm just not feeling this anymore. Like, and, and I, and I stopped watching it and I just focused on Deep Space Nine. Um, this Deep Space Nine would have been in its fifth season at the time. And Deep Space Nine was really taking off at that time. Season five of DS9 is top notch. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like I got something that's really good over here and then something that meh over here. It's like I'm just going to focus on the good stuff for now. Um, but that being said, you know, I'm, I am going to go back and rewatch Voyager. It's part of my New Year's geek resolutions. And it's something that we're going to be talking about on Trek 1701. Um, so, yeah, for me, uh, out of that, that era, it's Voyager and then pretty much all the new Star Trek stuff. Except for Strange New Worlds. It is the better of of the new stuff. And, and I'm, I am going to give it a second chance. Um, watch Lower Decks, man. Oh, and yes, of course. I, I'm gonna, I am going to watch Lower Decks. It's on my list. There's a new season of the I, bad. I think you'll like it. it oh yeah, no, I, I'm sure I will because you know it, it is it is kind of like Star Trek, Rick and Morty kind of. Yeah, um, it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's still I, very much Star Trek. It's just funny. Yeah, and and I, and I do love that yeah, that sense of humor and 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 everything. I just haven't had a chance to to sit down. It's like oh, it's yeah. like there's a new season of the Bad Batch right now and. I haven't watched one episode. Yeah, yet. I'm not loving it, but there is a new season. Yeah, and I mean, I like the first season, so I, I do want to. Oh man, season one was awesome, but this one's kind of boring. Like, okay, but I, I, I but just, I don't know. Yeah, that being yeah. said, I'm I'm still gonna check it out at some point. But regular. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, what is your least favorite series for Star Trek? Well, same as you. You know, I didn't like the new ones. I think that's pretty well known at this point. Um, it's a toss-up between Enterprise and Voyager. Um, I'm re-watching Voyager now. I've never watched it all the way through. I'm definitely finding season one is not grabbing me very much. I I really like Tom Paris, and I really like Chakotay, and... Um, Neelix is funny. He kind of is the Jar Jar Binks, but he's funny. But I'm just not in love with it yet. Mm, yeah. I'm going to... And the Doctor's incredible. He's the best character. Agreed. Um, I'm going to watch it all the way through, and, and I'll, you know, see how I feel about it then. Um, and I don't hate Enterprise. I did hate Enterprise for a long time, but I, you know... As part of the other podcast, we, we watched it all and we reviewed it, and I did come to like it. Uh, in particular, season three, I thought was really great. Yeah. Um, and season four was, was good, and it was obvious that they were going to go in different directions, and then the show got canceled, and they just wrapped it all up. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to say Voyager, but... Uh, I guess I would revise that opinion a few months from now when I finished watching it. Or it might be longer than a few months. <laughs> yeah. It makes me chuckle because we all hate Picard, but we all kind of phased it out, so we're not even using that as our least favorite. We're actually putting effort into this. 
Well, I, I think yeah. for, like for me, it's because I've ranted so much about new Star Trek. I, I think it'd be yeah. pretty easy for me to say it was Picard. Yeah, um, so easy. Yeah, especially and season I, I did two. Initially, like Star Trek Discovery when I watched it. Season one, I I I quite liked it until somewhere around episode seven or eight, and it takes a shift, and then I just disliked it, and I never got back into it. I love Discovery. Uh, I haven't seen the latest season, but I mean, season one had growing pains, and then it just beautiful. Just I I very much felt when I watched it, I very much felt. If they had just not made this Star Trek, if they just said, we're going to do a new space show and just leave all the Star Trek yep. parts out, I think it would have been a really good show, and I would probably have really enjoyed it. Because it has a killer cast. Like, seriously. Well, I don't I don't like the main character, Michael Berman. I, I find her character grates on me a lot. And I don't like the the Klingon guy who was a hipster dude or whatever the heck that was. <laughs> I didn't like that. And that was like half the storyline right there. Um, but I think if they had just made that show and not made it be Star Trek, I would have probably liked it. But I was comparing it to previous Star Trek franchises and trying to visualize how it would fit into timelines, and it just doesn't work, doesn't hold up on either end. So I, I watched a few episodes of episode two, and then I just dropped out. But there was a point um, about the first two thirds of season one where I'm like, actually I'm quite enjoying this. I'm quite digging this. And then it, it took a turn and it, it never got it back for me. See, and the- uh, Picard though, Picard sucked right from the start for me. Like by the end of episode one, I was like, Oh yeah, this show is not going to be what we wanted. I was, I was on the fence with Picard until that episode where it starts out with like a scene from saw where they're ripping out each eye and like torturing yeah. him, I'm like, what is this? This, this isn't Star. And it's crazy because, you know, in that episode seven of nine, like goes on a murdering spree, and, and apparently it's okay. You know, it's okay to murder. And they, what's her name, murdered Bruce Maddox in that episode, and and it was directed by oh, Jonathan Frakes. I'm like, what? Like how? But I guess if you give a, a person enough money, you know, they'll they'll do you know they'll direct anything. I guess. He's just directing it. He didn't write it. He didn't conceive of it. He just he just put put it into you know put it on the camera. Yeah. So that's where it, where Picard lost me. You know, I was like, well, maybe it maybe it'll get better. But then I was like, no, this is literally everyone. Someone's murdered every episode pretty much on Picard. Like it, like if you actually go back and rewatch it, it's almost every episode there's a murder. Um, so. Here's something I was thinking about that I... This is a bit of a tangent, but I think it's relevant. Sure. Somebody was complaining to me about Star Wars and how every new Star Wars is like the good guys overcome evil and they destroy the fascist empire and then 20 years later there's a new fascist empire and then we just go through the same cycle. Yeah, different characters, different variations, but really just the same story again and again and again. And so that to me is a very Star Wars concept, but in Star Trek, in Picard in particular, it kind of was doing that where they were like, suddenly the future's not bright, humanity are not good people, 
were not working together. It was suddenly very dystopian yes. and very every man for himself. And, and the Empire, or sorry, the Federation come off as kind of like, not quite fascist, but they don't come off as the Federation anymore. Like, they're kind of dicks. Yeah. And I don't know. It kind of bothered me, and I kind of felt like I think this was this show was influenced too much by Star Wars. Yes. Um, and it's funny because I've heard people and, and, uh, complain yeah. like the Mandalorian is too, well, it's too much like Star Trek because it's all, it's all optimistic. It always ends up with a happy ending. I'm like, but I like that. You know, like there's enough, there's enough pessimism and, and, and crappy stuff going on in the world right now. We need a little optimism. Yeah, I was going to say, if you were going to compare The Mandalorian to any start, uh, any science fiction franchise, I would have said Firefly. Yeah, definitely. I would have said it's too much like Firefly, but everybody, any, but nobody's made that comparison to me anyways. Yeah, that, um, that was a guy that I was working with because I, I was telling him how much I loved it, and he's like, but and you don't like the new Star Trek? I'm like, no, you know, it's too much, too dystopian, like the... the the lack of hope and optimism yeah. in modern Star Trek really gets to me. Yeah, you know, like, and I, I, I mean, the Mandalorian should should be dystopian. It, it falls at a weird time in the Star Wars universe, so that makes sense. But Picard well, should not be dystopian. It should still be utopian. Yeah, and I mean, if you're gonna go that route, where like who knows, maybe the Federation is turning into. You know, and they maybe they are turning into assholes, but tell that story. Don't. Yeah, then you got to tell that story. Yeah, but don't just have it in the background and don't and not yeah. address it. Um. But uh, with with Star Wars, um, yeah, it does seem like that sometimes. You know, like the, you know the the whole regime change and all that. But the thing is, we got to remember, like, and I, I kind of hope that Star Wars is going to go this route at some point. There was a thousand years when the Republic existed, where there wasn't this fascist regime thing always happening. Like this is you because... can tell so many stories from there, but yeah. instead, they... I would I would yeah. love them to do an old Republic show, like you know back when the you know the Sith, you know a thousand years ago when the Sith were like out of control, and I'd love that story to be told. Um, yeah, instead of you know you know this is between you know a New Hope and and Empire Strikes Back. Oh, this is between you know. Uh, or right after uh, Return of the Jedi, it's like no, like like let's let's explore some other stuff. But anyway, there's so, there's so much out there that we could explore. Oh, absolutely! So so much uh, potential, but and maybe we'll see it. Hopefully. Um, well, not, oh, speaking, sorry. I'm going to throw in this one more tangent. Speaking sure. of Star Wars, I I just got back from vacation where I went to Disney World in Florida. Oh, nice! And the the last day of the Disney World trip, we went to the Hollywood Studios section, which is where the Star Wars land is. It's called Galaxy's Edge. And and it was awesome. It was, you know, the theming was incredible. You feel like you're wandering in between sets and so on. Um, and the big ride there, it's called Rise of the Resistance. And it's, you know, one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive ride out there. But the thing that sucks about it is it's from the new movies, mm. and it and it is all about Poe and Ray and um, Crybaby, whatever his name is, temp, temper tantrum guy, uh, and uh, yeah. Kylo Ren. Yeah, Kylo. And yeah. 
And I was like, man, this ride is so awesome. But it would be so much better if they just said it with classic Star Wars characters instead of the new franchise. Yeah. Um, so everyone was telling me that's the best ride they've ever been on. But I docked a point because it connects to the new movies and the new movies sucked. And uh, yeah. But anyways, it was it was cool. And Star Wars line was cool. Um, it was very fun to wander through the sets and you, you know, you feel like you're in a movie at times. That was pretty cool. Uh, and I'm that ride was amazing. Curious, because I know we had this discussion about your girlfriend was super like big fan Disneyland, wanted to plan things. You're super chill. How did it go? Well, she she spent the whole time telling me how Disneyland was better. <laughs> how, how every ride, you know, Space Mountain at Disneyland is better than Space Mountain at Disney World, and you know whatever this ride is better at Disney World at Disneyland, and and so on and so forth. Um, which, given how much money I spent for the trip, definitely mm, graded on me. Um, but honestly, the- I was underwhelmed with the whole experience. Hmm. I booked it so that we had four days, and each day we did one Disney theme park. And honestly, we could have done done it all in two days. Um a lot of the stuff that's there, and this is this isn't a criticism, but a lot of the stuff that's there is for families and little kids. And if you're a little kid, getting to meet your favorite Disney character and going to breakfast with your favorite Disney princess would be like a mind-blowing experience. But as an adult, well, I'm not going to do that, right? You don't want to go for breakfast with the Disney princess? No. No, not really. Um <laughs> And, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff like, go, you know, go meet Mickey Mouse and go meet this character. And I'm like, well, we're not doing that. Um, most of the rides I didn't think were all that impressive because they're not really thrill rides. Um, you know, again, they're very family oriented. Now, that said, my favorite one was the... Um, something like Expedition Everest in Animal Kingdom, because I went into it thinking, oh, it's going to be another lame Disney roller coaster. Like, they're so not scary. And then it was totally scary. And it was it made my whole day because it. You're like going on a roller coaster and, and like on a scary roller coaster, you know, you go up for a long time and then you go straight down and, and all that. But on a Disney one, it's like. You go up for a long time, but then you're just going in in nice spirals, so you never really get any fear. Mm-hmm. And then on this one, it's like that, and then you come to a point, and the track is broken because the Yeti broke the track, and then the train goes into back, like goes backwards at full speed to get away from the Yeti, and you're going backwards through the tunnel in a mountain, and you can't see what's happening, and you're going up and down, and then you do a huge drop, and it was amazing. So that ended up being my favorite ride of the whole trip. And it was only my favorite ride because I went into it thinking it was going to be lame when it was actually quite thrilling. Um, But if you bought the – they got rid of their FastPass system. So you have to – sucks. You have to use an app, and then you have to pay a fee to access the Genie Plus service on the app. 
And then with that, then you can buy a lightning lane pass, which lets you skip to the front of like go into the shorter line on the rides. So it's not even like you have to buy one thing. You actually have to buy two things. And then on some rides, the lightning lane can be longer than the standby line because so many people have bought it. So it's really weird. And I, I don't agree with that system. And I always hate when they have that option. Like, it should just be first come, first serve. And if the line is three hours long, don't get in it. You know, instead of like, oh, I paid $60 more than you, so I get to go to the front of the short line that's only 20 minutes long. Um, But anyways, if you paid for that feature, and if you also paid extra for the park hopper feature, which lets you go, I think it's $25 a day, lets you go to whichever park you want whenever you want. Okay. If you paid for those two extra things, which would effectively make two days cost the same as four days, then you could do it all in two days. Um, and, and if I went back, that's what I would do because we were every day would be like four o'clock in the afternoon, and we were kind of like, well, we did everything, and we would just eat. So I was a little underwhelmed. So uh, I'm glad you had fun though. Cost. Was this her first time going to Disney World? Yes. Oh, okay. But she'd been to Disneyland like three or four times. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, and I've been to Universal Studios Florida once for one day. So that was my only experience with the theme park. Um, and basically my, my opinion of theme parks is that they're really expensive and you're paying a lot of money to just stand in line all day. Yep. Um, and maybe I'm just not a theme park guy because I found myself getting kind of grumpy with that every day, even though I knew that was what was going to happen. Yep. Um, and I sort of look at it with like, you know, the amount of money that vacation cost, we could have done a lot of other things. And... I'm not saying I regret it, but... But it's not the kind of experience that... I'm the same way. I have an issue, especially since with the people factor. It's it's warm. It's uncomfortable. You're standing in line. There's lots of people. There are various levels of flight. It's just not my ideal way to have fun. Yeah, and for what you get sometimes. The, I found most of the other attendees were quite rude. Uh, people were very pushy. People were, would walk in front of you all the time, and people would stop in front of you all the time. Um, however, we did meet a few people that were really friendly, so it was a mixed bag. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... I'll, I'll just put it this way. I really don't think I'll do a theme park ever again in my life. Um, but I don't regret it. I saw some amazing things. I went on some pretty cool rides, like it wasn't bad, just I I think I'm like, hey, I've done it, been there, done that, don't mm-hmm. need to do it again. Whereas my girlfriend, Shay, is already foaming at the mouth about how we have to go to Disneyland now. <laughs> so she can show me how much better it is. And I'm I'm like, you know, I'm saying, oh, yeah, sure, honey. But in my head, I'm like, yeah, no, if, we're go- if we go to California, there's a billion other things I'd rather do. Yeah. Um, so my, my absolute... I'll finish this tangent here. My absolute favorite part of the trip wasn't in Disney World at all. It was we we finished 
the Epcot section at like noon and we were like, wow, we got all day. What do you want to do? And we went to a state park, kind of like a provincial park, I guess. And it was a wildlife uh, reserve. And we just went on a day hike through through the kind of scrub and, and swamp. And it was beautiful. And we were the only people there. And we saw all kinds of wildlife. We didn't see any gators or snakes, but we saw a wild boar and we saw deer and all kinds of birds. And uh, it was awesome. And that was my favorite part was going for a hike in a totally different ecosystem than where I live. Mm -hmm. And that really kind of put it into perspective for me that, yeah, maybe I'm just not a theme park guy. If my favorite part of the theme park experience was the day we bailed early and went for a hike. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Excellent. Anyways, tangent over. Yeah. Right. I, just, I, I just, I know we talked about it before and I was like, I am curious about this. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. All right, oh, back all to good. Star Trek now. <laughs> all right. Well, our next uh, question is least favorite character. So, uh, Lily. Who is your least favorite character in Star Trek? I hate this question. I hate it. I actually have written on my sheet, dot, 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 question mark, question mark, eh? Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> because I, I don't have a least favorite character. Um, honestly, I mean, aside from not liking Picard and having issues with, I don't. I don't have one like that's fine. I don't know. Like I had to think, I'm like, is there anyone that when they come on screen, I just want to punch them in the face. And even then I couldn't think of anybody. And so I'm kind of stuck because if the villain makes you want to punch them, they're a good villain. If the yeah. character's supposed to be annoying and you hate them, they're a good character. So, I mean, I know everybody hated Wesley Crusher, but we've already decided that I'm madly in love with him. So, I mean, I don't have a least favorite character. They serve their purposes in many different ways. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, and I never understood the hate that Wesley got. Like, I like I know a lot of people didn't like his character. I always liked his character. I, uh, you know, um, I, I wrote my first. So I I actually wrote three small novella fan fictions. When I was 12, wow. uh, I did, I did, uh, where I ended up going, uh, onto the USS Enterprise with Wesley Crusher and I had to solve a murder mystery and I earned Worf's respect and it was so much fun. And, but I, I wish to this day that I had not gotten rid of those because I put a lot of hours into writing those and that was some thick pages. <laughs> All right. Um, well, like I said, I, I've been doing a rewatch of TNG and it's funny when I was, a, when I was younger, this character, whenever she would show up, I always liked it when she showed up, but now that I'm rewatching it, you know, I guess now that I've, I've seen, you know, some good acting and stuff, you know, I kind of realized she wasn't really good in this role. Um, and no disrespect. I don't want to punch her in the face or anything. She's she was a lovely you lady. You say Guinan, I'm gonna throw a shoe at you. No, no, but I am I oh, am God. gonna say Lawaxana, Troy. Um, 
she just she's fun, but I totally get why you would. Say I that. always felt like she was god modding just because she was related to the person running it. That she got to be the voice of the computer and she got to be this sassy, sexy, hilarious character. I well, never thought she was supposed to be serious. Well, the, the thing I, is, uh, you know, and I and I hate you know you shouldn't speak ill of it, and 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 I you know, no disrespect to Mrs. Roddenberry, but she got her start as. Gene Roddenberry's mistress, you know, like she would, like he was a married man. They were having an affair, and he would write roles for her so she would, so she could keep acting. And then she, they, you know, after Star Trek, um, you know, he ditched his wife, and and they got married. And and Scotty, you know, James Dewan was like his best man, so that, you know that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, you know, he would basically write her into the show because. Honestly, I don't think she was getting acting gigs because she wasn't a really good actress. Um, and I, she was a really good computer voice. She and she she was and she is. Um, but the the reason why I made this this distinction is it there was an episode called I think it's called Half a Life where uh, what's his name um, the guy who played Charles on Mash. Um, um, David Ogden Stiers. He uh, plays this character that comes aboard the Enterprise, and he meets and walks on as they're visiting, and he meets her, and they fall in love. But in his race, when you turn sixty, you have to kill yourself. Like that's just the rule. Like that's what's expected of you. It's like this whole ceremony where your family gets together. They wa- I guess they watch you kill yourself. Um, and and that's the end of your life. And then he meets Luoxana, and then he has to tell her, like, you know, I'm going to be dying in two days. And, like, she's like, why? Like, what's going on? You're sick? And no, it's just, this is what we do. And, like, he just acted the hell out of those scenes. Like, he was such a good actor. And her acting was so atrocious. Like, you know, like, watching it as an adult, you know, kind of knowing, you know, what to pick up on on with cues and all that sort of stuff. Like she, she was so bad acting against him. Um, and then they did an episode. And what really made me think of this was they did an episode in season seven where she's like having nightmares and they, fi- you know, Deanna finds out she had a sister that died when she was, you know, just a baby. And, and that the acting in that episode was really bad, you know, and I, and, uh, you know, so now, like, when I do the rewatch, and she's she appeared on Deep Space Nine as well. Thankfully, she was just, like, the B story when she would show up on Deep Space Nine. So it wasn't as bad. Like, I think, she, you know, like, it would be okay if she was just the B story character, not the A story character. And I think after Jean died, you know, they kind of pushed her to the B story. Because really, after he died, they did one episode with her in season five. Uh, but, I mean, that had already been written and everything while he was still alive. So they just hadn't shot it yet when he passed away. And then season six, she wasn't in it at all. So um, I think they were like, yeah, you know, we used to do this because Gene made us do it, but now we don't have to. Uh, and then season seven, they brought her back, I guess, for her last episode, which was going to be her last episode, and it was terrible. But then on Deep Space Nine, because she did three episodes on Deep Space Nine, but she was always the B story. So she wasn't bad as the B story, just not 
the main story. Um, and like I said, I'm you know, and the only episode I re I actually do like with her in it is Menage Troy, uh, and that was from season three. Um, and apparently, again, behind the scenes stuff, uh, during that time, they were actually considering doing a spinoff with her as a half hour sitcom set in the Star Trek universe. And I just, I'm so glad they didn't do that. Like, you know, that would have been just absolutely terrible. But apparently that's something that Gene Roddenberry was pushing for. And then when he passed, it just kind of went away quietly. Like, they weren't going to, there was no way they were going to do that. So, anyway, Lwaxana, that's my least favorite character. Uh, Ragnar, who is your least favorite character in Star Trek? Um, definitely it would be Esri Dax. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't hate the actress, Nicole no. Bohr. She's perfectly fine actress mm -hmm. she's quite cute i just i love jadzia and i still thought they kind of did her dirty the way they just like oh and she's dead that's it yes um yes. and then no part of that character would actually happen the trills had that whole thing about like you can't interact with your past life because Yep. You know, you'll fall in love. You'll you'll try to recreate relationships that you previously had, and of course, that's a bad idea. And it's like that's very culturally taboo to them. So to have her show up and just take over Jadzia's duties, it doesn't make sense. Thank you. Thank and you. I always hated Thank that, you. and I always thought, why didn't they just bring this actress in and just have her play a new character, and this is the new science officer? Yeah. And, well, it, like, okay, there's a couple episodes that deal with, like, you know, like, for example, her and Worf have that weird time where they hook up and it's super awkward and strange. Well, you could just not do that. Or you could yeah. still do that. And Worf could hook up with her and then feel guilty about it and, and so on. Like, they really wouldn't have had to change too much and it, just have her be a totally different character. And it would have been fine. And I always thought like it was so dumb that they they yep. tried to just recast the same character essentially. It was also if, if for anyone who paid attention to to the actual cultural storyline that they threw in there, where they're mm -hmm. like, "This is what they do." Yeah, it was a it was like, "Oops, sorry, we're changing the canon." I hope nobody notices. Exactly, I was, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. Because, yeah, they, with Jadzia, they established that you can't have your, you know, like, if, if you do have to interact with people from your previous lives, it's closely monitored. Like, you know, and it's avoided at all cost. And then also the fact that, you know, to join with the, with a symbiont, like, the, you have to go through training. You have to do these years of, of preparing for this. So even if, like, because they had said there was some sort of emergency and that Esri, they had to put the Trill in Esri in order for the the symbiote to survive, they would have still taken her to Trill and taken it out and put it into somebody that was ready. Yeah. You know, like, and I mean, there there is precedent. They did do that with when uh, season two, when they had that guy come in and take 
the Dax symbiote and put it inside him. Like, they were able to take it out again. So I never understood why. Like, well, you know, too much time passed. And, and, but it's like, no, I don't, I really don't think so. But I think it was just a cheap way for them to continue with the character without having to give too much backstory. But it's exactly what it was, but it just, it just didn't work, man. Well, and the thing is, they had such a, like a, an ensemble guest cast. Like, why, why not, instead of the time and episodes they spent on Esri, they could have spent it on somebody else. Like one of the guest stars. But. Yeah. Oh, there's. It's funny, I never realized that was one of my pet peeves until we're just sitting here. And I'm like, you know, I love Jadzia Dax's character. Yep. And then when this all happened, I suddenly was like, I don't like Trill. I don't like this. I think this is stupid. And I completely put it out of my head. I, I completely just wiped it clear. <laughs> yeah. And like, I was, it was not okay. And like what Ragnar was saying, like, no offense to Nicole uh, DeBoer. Like, she was, she was great. She's beautiful. And, and, and I love what they did with her character in the books. Like now she's a captain and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's cool. It's just, yeah, we didn't need her on the show, especially in the last season, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Or just, okay, this is the new science officer. Okay. That's fine. There we go. She's, well, we don't she's have to not change connected things. in any way to the old one. Okay, cool. Perfect. Well, we'll think, think of this. Like, they could have, like, his Worf's son was, you know, fighting in the in the Dominion War and stuff. They could have had him, yeah. you know, maybe stationed on Martok's ship now. And, you know, that time could have been devoted to him. Like, you know, fleshing out that character. Ooh, but, that would have been good. But, anywho. Um, all right. So let's move on to one of uh, the more happier questions. Who's your favorite captain? Lillian, who is your favorite captain in Star Trek? Well, aside from saying Anson Mount's delicious and I would climb him like a mountain in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's beautiful. But my, my heart belongs to Picard. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm com- I completely agree with what Lillian just said. Anson Mount's a really nice dude. I got to meet him in Calgary. Really nice guy. Um... And I, and I liked, you know, Hell on Wheels is, like, one of my favorite westerns. Um, and he was fantastic in that. And, yeah, he's the, the only reason why I even decided to check out Strange New Worlds. And, like I said, it's not terrible. It, you know, I am going to get back to it. But then, yeah, Picard, he's he's my guy. Like, when I got to meet Patrick Stewart that time, like, that was just, you know. I love Cisco. don't get me wrong. You know, I love Cisco, But Picard, you know, I just kind of, there's you know. He, you know, he. I gravitated more to Picard, and I and I really hated what they did to his character in his show. You know, making him, you know, people talking down to him and that admiral swearing at him, like it's like no, you, you, like that's not how Picard should be treated. Um, he should be treated with the respect that he is due because he he is a, a legend in Starfleet. Um, exactly. Okay, so I love Picard. Except for in Picard, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except for those times, like, when when you would get, like, a peak, you know, like, a little, you know, when, the, when when Patrick Stewart would, you know, it's like, that's Picard. But then, 
then they would That's take it away. That's just him being an amazing actor. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love him. He's a super nice guy too. Really friendly. But all the captains, you know, even even Janeway. I, I think uh, Kate Mulgrew was amazing in that role. I think she was an absolutely fine captain. Um, even even the guys that were supposed to be assholes, like Captain Jellico. I really like Captain Jellico. Like it, those episodes were awesome. And I loved how he came in and just didn't take anyone's shit. And um, and I love how, like, you know, the TNG crew, you know, like you got a new boss and you got to, you know, and he's changing everything and you don't like it, but you have to deal. And he basically tells you, like, uh, just deal with it. This is my ship now. And I love that because, you know, if you've ever worked, you know, at a place where you get a new boss, sometimes that happens. Sometimes the new boss comes in and it's not as nice as you you'd think it would be or should be um but uh yeah anyway uh, that's my little quick tangent there uh ragnar who's your favorite captain well it's de definitely cisco yeah um P picard in my mind's like the gold the gold standard um he's incredible did a great job all, all like you said all the captains are good I found uh, Scott Bakula's captain, especially in the first two seasons of Enterprise, to be rather dull. And I think that's why I liked season three so much, was they finally had his character do something. Yep. Um, but, uh, no, it'd be Cisco. Um, even though, when, of course, when we first meet him, he's a commander. Really, he was the captain from the get-go. Um and yeah, yeah, he was my favorite, hands down. Yeah, uh, and I love that uh, bait and switch there. It was the season three finale of, of Deep Space Nine when he's, you know, this is my final commander's log. I'm like, what? Yeah. No. And then, yeah, he gets promoted to captain. I'm like, yes, that is awesome. <laughs> I um, remember watching that and, and being just so stoked that he got promoted to captain. Yeah. Um, but I, I really liked Cisco because he just he was a different captain than Picard. Like you can sort of say that Picard was a different captain from Kirk, but it he wasn't that different. He just wasn't like maybe not quite as much. Yeah, it wasn't as much of a womanizer, and maybe he wasn't as much of a brawler. But it wasn't a huge evolution. And really, like Kirk Picard. Janeway, they're they're kind of similar, and Cisco was was just totally different. The the his command style, his worldview, his life experiences, it was just a different take on a captain. And so even on rewatches, he's still my favorite. It's not just nostalgia because he was like you know the the first one for me. It was like no, I just really like his character. Um, and I met Avery Brooks and he was, he was great, but he's a very intense man. I feel like he would be somebody that would be difficult to, to hang out with. Yeah. Um, he probably was good to work with cause he probably took it, took his job super seriously. Yeah. But it could have been stressful on set at times too. Um, but he, I, he was probably pretty good to work with. Yeah, and I, I've heard because but like he, he definitely struck me when I met him in real life as like you're really cool, but like hanging out with you for a couple of days would probably be really stressful. Yeah, 
Because well, he was just sort of intense. Yeah. Well, I had heard, um, because he teaches acting. I forget what university he teaches at or taught at. Um, but he's, yeah. he's very versed in the art of acting. And um, I remember at a convention, um, Nana Visitor talking about that, about how much he taught her, uh, you know, on, on acting. But um, one thing with with doing the rewatch Deep Space Nine um, back in 2018, Cisco yells a lot. <laughs> like he, that guy's always yes. yelling, and, and uh, I love that that line. I think it was the episode when Worf and Dax got married, when Dax tells uh, Cisco that Worf's intimidated by him, and I thought that was just fantastic. You know, because he's not even a Klingon, but yet he's got the, this Klingon is intimidated by him. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Um, all right, so next question. Favorite first officer. Lillian, who is your favorite first officer? I think ours is probably going to be the same. Chakotay. Oh, maybe not. I know. So <laughs> I, I was like automatically going to go with Riker, and then I was like, actually, really, no, um, I love Riker for many reasons, but when I think of mm-hmm. who I was obsessed with, first officer-wise, Chakotay would have jumped in front of a bus for Janeway, just like Riker would have, but he did it hotter, and <laughs> I loved his storyline. Plus, when I met him in person, he gave me the most adorable little kiss, and I love him so much. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it's Chakotay. I still remember at that convention when, like, you were walking through... Like, we were waiting to get our, our picture taken with him, and you were walking through, and then, like, he was walking in, and you just, like, stopped in front of him, and, like, and you said, you're beautiful. And then, and then you <laughs> I wa- said he was pretty. <laughs> and then you walked away, and he was like, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, uh, I, and he was, I was like, you're really pretty. And he just smiled at me, and I'm like, really pretty. And then he gave me a kiss on my cheek and watered off. Um, and then last uh, he's the one, I have his signed photo, but I kept forgetting whenever I would meet these dudes to introduce Dan. <laughs> and so in the corner it's written, hi, Dan. <laughs> I was like, could you please? Because I always forget about Dan. <laughs> oh... Um, I, I actually thought you were going to say Spock. So that's who I went with. Um, I just, you know, Leonard Nimoy was amazing. Um, you know, I love the logical aspect. I love the fact that the, that he's just so smart. Um, you know, and, and he can figure shit out. Like, you know, he's kind of like the data, awesome. of the, the data of the original series, you know, like, um, you know, Star Trek four, like them going back in time, that was all based on his calculations and him figuring out how to do this. Um, you know, he's, yeah, he's just a great character. You know, Leonard Nimoy. He's fantastic. I love Spock for many reasons, but his skills as a first officer is not one of them. How he looks in a uniform is. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, you know, I used to love like when he would be in command of the ship and then him and McCoy would be, you know, butting heads and like there's that episode when um they think kirk is dead the tholian web where where he disappears and then you know they got to go through his stuff and then they you know and and um mccoy's getting mad at him because he doesn't think spock's doing enough to possibly save him and i just you know a lot of good back and forth you know leonard nimoy is fantastic zachary quinto um also very great as spock um 
Uh, Ethan Peck, uh, I just don't see him as Spock, but he is a, he is a good actor. I'm not, I'm not going to knock him. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, he's, he's doing his best. I have to say, like, would you, okay, so when we watched J.J. Abrams' first movie. Yep. And everybody in the theater died when Spock and Uhura became an item. Mm-hmm. So in Strange New Worlds, the first dinner with Uhura where she mentions she speaks over 300 languages and Spock makes that face. And I'm pretty sure anyone who they just like it's just it was so much fun because we're carrying on with this idea of these two that suddenly became canon. And it was beautifully done. And it just he just it's beautiful. But you have to admit, like, Spock suddenly became a lot more desirable after J.J. <laughs> Abrams' universe. Yeah, I suppose. Like, I, I really liked Zachary Quinto, uh, like, when he was in Heroes, when he was playing Siler. So I was very interested. Was awesome. Yeah. Oh, like, yes. He was, like, honestly, one of the, I think one of the best TV villains, Siler, up until they kind of made him crappy at the end. But anyway. Yeah. You don't um, have to talk about that. But, you know, when, when I, yeah, when he, you know, like, I'm not a fan of the J.J. Abrams movies, I gotta say that right now, but I think he did a fantastic job as Spock, you know, and when he was acting opposite Leonard Nimoy, it, it, like, it didn't feel awkward, it was like, it does feel like he's talking to his younger self. Um, Ragnar, who the was your... The casting f- thing they went wrong with, I thought, was Scotty. Yeah, and which and is they, funny because that's what my husband. Which is weird because I I really like Simon Pegg. Yes, but, but I just thought his Scott sucked. Yeah, that was that was definitely just a fan just, cast. Just didn't feel like Scotty at all. Yeah, well, he's a huge Star Trek. Other fan. than that, I thought they did. A, other yeah. than that, I thought they did a bang up job on the casting. Yeah, well, he's a huge Star Trek fan. And he's a friend of J.J. Abrams and was like... I know, and he, and he like, wrote the third one. Like, yeah. he was super to it. I just didn't think he was a good choice for that character. Yeah, and same with, uh, no, no offense to the actor who played Sulu in the movie, but um, I'm trying to blank oh, oh, I thought John Cho was fine. He, he is, except for the fact that he's Korean and Sulu's Japanese. Yeah, Sulu's Japanese. So that well, I remember could... when that came out, there was the whole joke about he's the only Asian in Star in, uh, in Hollywood. So of course it had to be him, you know. Yeah. So that kind of bugged me because I'm like, eh, you know, like I don't know. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Ragnar, who's your uh, favorite first officer? Well, since you guys didn't say it, I'm going to go with Riker because he was great. <laughs> Excellent. Um. Yeah, I mean, he was an awesome, he was an awesome first officer. And later on, he, you know, goes on to become a captain, and that's great too. And uh, yeah, what's not what's not to like? Well, it's funny. I used to podcast with a guy. His name's Evan Hansen. Um, he used to be on. He used to come on in Trek One Seven Zero One back in the day. He absolutely hates Riker. Like he hates oh. hates him. And, and and he also hates um, Scott Bakula, um, and I'm like, why? Okay. Like Captain Archer? Yeah, I'm like, well, he doesn't like the actor. He doesn't like Scott Bakula, and he doesn't and he okay. doesn't like Riker the yeah. character. And I was like, but Riker was great. Like I don't know. It's just funny how some people, you know, their their tastes are different. Uh, 
Um, yeah. All right. So next up is favorite doctor. Lillian, who's your favorite doctor on Star Trek? Ooh, this one was a fun one um, because I, I I had to think about this and I was like going through all of them. And uh, I, honestly, McCoy, Bones, it's always going to be Bones. It's it, I, I, I just love him so much. He's pretty damn great. Yep. Yep. I mean, I wasn't sure how I felt in the new Star Trek when we got a new Bones and how I was going to feel about him being someone that was like, because Bones was, it was never a point of him being attractive, but he was just, I was confused. I was like, how is this going to work? And then when he, the minute he got on, on the transport, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's our boy. That's beautiful. Oh, he did. Yeah. Carl Urban nailed it. Oh yeah. So good. So I I love, I love him so much. And I love the, you know, thing I loved about that movie as well is the fact that we f- we find out how he got the nickname Bones when yeah. he, when he has that line. You know, my wife took everything but my bones, and that's how why or, why Kirk calls him Bones. I was like, that's awesome. I really like that they they threw that in there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite doctor. I'm going with Doctor Bashir. Uh, from Deep Space Nine, and th- and this one was a, like this one and the next one are, are hard choices for me, uh, because like with Star Trek, I like all the Doctors. Like I love McCoy, you know, Doctor Crusher. I like uh, even Doctor Pulaski. I know a lot of people don't like her, but I liked her. I always, you know, had hoped that they would bring her back for an episode, but they never did. Um, but I guess the actress uh, Diane Moldar, she was like done with acting, I guess. Um, cause after she was in the second season of TNG, she did a season of, uh, LA law where she, where her character famously walked or fell down an elevator shaft. And then I guess that was it for acting for her. She just wasn't going to do it anymore. Um, and I remember watching that episode. I was at my grandma's house cause she used to watch LA law. And I remember that episode I was thinking, oh, there's Dr. Pulaski. And then the elevator door opens and cause she has her back to the elevator door. The door opens, she she turns around and steps forward and falls down the elevator shaft. I'm like, you know, I don't know. I was like nine years old. I'm like, did Dr. Pulaski just die? Um, but, uh, yeah, it was quite shocking at the time. Um, and then, yeah, Dr. Bashir. Uh, I love Dr. Phlox. I think he's fantastic. Um, and, of course, the EMH, you know, Robert Picardo. Um, yeah, like, I, I think well, I thought the, you were going to pick, I, I thought for sure you were going to pick him. I, I, I don't know. I, I, like, I just, I love Bashir, like the, you know, I loved his character arc that he, he came on as this, you know, naive, you know, look guy looking for adventure. Um, and then, you know, like the, the reveal in season five that he's like an augment essentially, like he's uh, been genetically altered. Oh, spoilers, dude. <laughs> Sorry. Um but yeah, he's his basically uh from what I understand, he's ba- he was basically born handicapped and his parents took him to uh this alien world where basically they did, you know, they gave him the con treatment and now he's like super smart and and all this other stuff and he had to hide it all his life because um it's outlawed by the Federation. Like you cannot, I'm joking. Of course I did. Oh, that. Oh, sorry. Um, you can't genetically manipulate, you know, people. And I, I just love that reveal. And then, you know, the fact that he didn't hide it going forward. I, you know, I love that. 
and then um, all his Section 31 stuff. I thought that was great. Now you uh, make me want to go watch DS9. Like, honestly, I may and, have to. And honestly, uh, like, he has the best bromances. You know, like him and Chief O'Brien, um, you know, they started out as, like, Chief O'Brien couldn't stand the guy to being, like, best friends by the end of the show. Oh, yeah. And then him and but Garrett. But isn't Chief O'Brien one of those characters that wasn't supposed to be as popular as he was, but everyone became invested in him? Yes. Well, that's why he got promoted to Deep Space Nine, was because, like, his character was so popular on TNG. They're like, well, we, you know, we got to give this guy his own show. Because, like, you know, like, I mean, they already had, like, eight people in the cast on TNG, so they couldn't make him a regular at that mm-hmm. point, so... But yeah, no, I just, I love Bashir's arc, you know, from, from the first episode to the last episode. Um, so yeah. And Ragnar, who is your favorite doctor? Um, I'm probably... Oh, you kind of cut out there, Ragnar. I'm going to go with Dr. Flox. Oh, okay. There you go. Yep. Dr. Flox. I... I think I like all the doctors. Um, the the Voyager doctor definitely stands out, but I love Dr. Flox because he was kind of quirky, kind of weird, but also I found his characters just, the characters kind of curiosity about biological life very intriguing because he... Mm-hmm was always interested in new species. He, he always had weird ideas on how to fix things. It wasn't always just like, you know, a, a technology thing. Sometimes, like, he was the kind of guy who'd be like, oh, you got your finger cut off. We're going to stick a leech on it when we sew it back on because that actually does work. Yep. Um, so he, I like that, that he, he wasn't always a tech solution. Sometimes he had other weird ideas on how to fix things. And... In particular, he stands out for me because most of Enterprise I found quite boring, especially the first two seasons, and he was never boring. So, um, yeah, I'm going to pick him. But, uh, you know, Bashir's awesome, and um, Robert Picardo's Doctor and Voyager is kick-ass, and Dr. Crusher was great, and Bones was awesome. Like, I, I don't think I disliked any of the Doctors. Excellent. Um, yeah, that, that episode of Deep Space Nine when Robert Picardo was on there with Bashir. Oh, so, that, good. Yeah. so good when you then watch Voyager and you're like, hey, that's the guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Um, all right, so the next one, favorite chief engineer. Again, this was a hard choice for me. Uh, Lillian, but who did you go with for favorite chief engineer? Oh, God. Um, okay, so I actually, I got stuck on this one, just like I apparently get stuck on everything. So, like, if I had to go with, I had to put this into, like, I love LaForge. I love Jordy. Mm-hmm. Love him to pieces. Um, but then when Discovery came out, I was fascinated by Stamets, just because he is played by a man that I adore, mm-hmm. and who, I, I, and then it just led me into a squirrel of how much I adored Tilly, but she was never chief engineer. Well, actually, she, in an alternative, never mind. Anyways, um, it's a weird mix of LaForge and Stamets. All right. 
Um, yeah, for me, this this was a hard one. Like, I love Scotty, uh, especially James Doohan, great act, you know, great Canadian guy. Um, Chief O'Brien, love Chief O'Brien. Um, love Trip from Enterprise. Blana Torres, I like her too. Um, but I went with Jordy from from TNG. Uh, just you know, I. I you know, I like his art. You know, he starts out as the navigator. But even in the beginning of season one, like, I just watched uh, the episode The Outpost, The Last Outpost. And, um, you know, when they were having issues with engineering, Picard sends Jordy down there to basically get things going. And it's like, wait a minute, but wouldn't the chief engineer be the guy that you would, or girl that you would call on? And in the first season, they had, like, the, you know, three or four different chief engineers come through. Um, and then finally in season two, they promote Jordy to chief engineer. And I, I love that. I love that development, you know, and he quickly rose to the rank of Lieutenant commander because he went, because at the start of TNG, he was a, a Lieutenant junior grade on the pilot episode, but then by season three, he was Lieutenant commander. So he really moved up the ranks fast because he's such a good chief engineer. Um, and then I loved on that you know, uh, Voyager episode when you see the alternative future, like it was like the hundredth episode of Voyager, uh, when he's like a captain of a ship. I, I like that development. Like I could see Jordy going that way. Uh, but I also love like his friendship with data, you know, and the fact that data was an Android and a lot of times if data needed work or whatever, you know, like, um, Jordy would be the one to, to do that. Um, and then they're just their friendship, you know, um, yeah, I just, Jordy's my guy. So I went with, uh, Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge. And Ragnar, who's your favorite chief engineer? Oh, I didn't even have to think about Chief O'Brien, man. Yep. Um, and, and the reason I love Chief O'Brien is that his take on a chief seems so real. Mm -hmm. Like, that's actually what that you know, he felt like a real person who would actually be getting dirty and working on things. And like Jordy's chief engineer was awesome, but it was very scientific and very technical. Yep. And chief O'Brien's was way more like an actual mechanical engineer, you know, turning wrenches and, and using grease. And I think that a starship would combine both of those jobs and I liked the Chief O'Brien version better. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Jordy's, Jordy's incredible. He's, you know, not to take away from him in any way. But I always found his his character was very technical and scientific. But you you never really saw Jordy getting dirty, you know. Yep. So Chief O'Brien, I thought, like, oh, yeah, that's actually what this job would be like. So I completely forgot he was a chief. <laughs> Um, well, a couple things with Chief O'Brien. Like, I totally agree with you, Ragnar. Like, especially because they're at a Cardassian space station, so he had to, like, integrate Federation technology yeah, yeah. with Cardassian. Old, they're on an old ship that's been, been they're yep. on an old space station that's run by, was created by a different race. Yep. And it's been stripped and it's all decrepit. And now they're trying to integrate Federation technology into it. Yep. So just, like, nothing would ever work perfectly. Yeah, and and yeah, he had his work cut out for him, so that was that was cool. 
Um, also, the fact, you know, I, I can't remember where, where this came up, if it was like a mess, like a Facebook group or whatever, but somebody brought up the question, why is Chief O'Brien the chief engineer of uh, Deep Space Nine when he's chief petty officer? Like, wouldn't that go to a commander or someone like that? And the reason why he got that job was because no one else would take it. Like that, that's why it was such an opportunity for him to go to Deep Space Nine because this was his chance to be, basically be a chief engineer as a chief petty officer because no one else in Starfleet wanted that job. And then, of course, when Deep Space Nine, you know, discover, when they discover the wormhole, he moves the station to the wormhole. Now it becomes one of the most important posts in the Federation. And I, you know, I imagine. So many chief engineers would 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 have loved to have taken that job then, but because you know it was like a considered like a lower job um, originally, that's how he got it. And and you know I, I like that aspect. I like the fact that you know you know him getting down and dirty and having to take this job that nobody else wanted was how he you know rose to that. Uh, position and um i think i need to watch dsn now i think i think you guys just yeah it, 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 it really is a great show it, it really is like even even in the first couple seasons when it was a little bit slower or whatever it was still good um the first seasons are a little slow but you do kind of have to watch them yeah. and then it, it does kick into high gear later and I, and I loved the little nod on uh, the the finale of, of uh, TNG when they had O'Brien, like when they had Colmini come back, uh, because he was in the original pilot for Star Trek. He was like the con officer or, you know, navigation. Um, and then you didn't see him again until, well, I, I think you seen him in one scene in in season one where he was like playing a security guard. And then you didn't see him until he was... Uh, in the transporter room in season two, and then they gave him the name Chief O'Brien. Uh, but for the finale of TNG, they brought him back, you know, because he was in there in the pilot episode. He was on the battle bridge, you know, when we first see the battle bridge. And I love how Picard takes, you know, in the, you know, um, all good things, the final episode, he takes O'Brien down to engineering and asks him to, get, you know, basically get the ship going. And he's like, why me sir and he's like well i know you can do this chief and then o'brien starts like you know getting engineering in order because like Jordy wasn't there because him and Riker were still at farpoint station at that point and i just love that little nod that picard thought so much of o'brien knowing him you know years later that he could do this and i love that the writers did that so anyway i digress uh so we're down to the last two questions uh, Lillian, who is your favorite guest star in Star Trek? There's too many. Agreed. Like, there, there's, there's too, like, I had to pick, I'm like, okay, I love Ashley Judd. She was on there. It was first episode where Wesley Crusher gets his heart crushed by an alien. Um, yeah. everybody's been in Star Trek. Seth McFarlane was an enterprise for crying mm -hmm. out loud. Like, um, but I ended up thinking, like, okay, out of all the Star Trek I've recently watched, my favorite would have to be um, Jet from Discovery, because I love Tig Notaro so much, and her character in engineering is so much fun. 
So that would have to be, um, yeah. And she's the chief engineer, or what? What is she, what is her role? She's not the chief engineer, but um, one second. She, she does. She, does she, get... she was an engineer. Yeah. Um, she was. Uh, she was an engineering officer that they picked up on a planet. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> Jet Reno. Uh, blah 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 blah. And I have to just go be like. Yeah, I I do like her. She is she is she is a fun actress. Actually, totally forgot because it's been a while since I've watched it. But I just love how she just jumped into the store, and became this sassy little thing. Yeah. Um. And for the life of me, do you think I can find what I'm looking for? No. That, no why am that, I in Bing? That's okay. That's okay. You you. She's your favorite, so that, that's all we need. Um. So my favorite guest star, I I have a favorite guest star and then an honorable mention. And I went with John Delancey as Q. Um, you know, I just, I love that character. Shows up, he shows up in everything except for Enterprise. See, okay, hold on a second. Because I didn't know we were allowed to count Q because I thought he was a main cast member. Oh, no, no, no. But, okay, oh, no. so if I had to, that that clears it right there. Love you so much, Tignataro, but no. Because when I first wrote this down, I put down John Delancey because he throws chaos but also where else do you get him like he cisco punches him the first time he meets him doesn't he yep like it's beautiful but i didn't because so thought... he's like Picard would never hit me i'm not picard exactly. <laughs> it's that and i'm like but i always i thought he would have been like a, if we had to if he's counted as a guest hands down hands down q yeah i love i love john delancey he's such a good actor um Again, one of the reasons why I stuck it out with season two of Picard, because they brought him back. And I do, like, I mean, if you add all his scenes together, it probably adds up to, like, ten minutes. Um, I liked most of it. I didn't like his interaction with the young guy, and I didn't like, um, I don't know. I, I still don't know his motivate. Like, I don't know. that It was such a bad, badly written season. Um, but I did like him in it and i love you know when him and picard have that hug at the end i thought that was fantastic and and q says you know you were always one of my favorites um and i and i th always thought q did you know like he um was messing with them but at the same time he was also doing uh things for you know their own good like introducing them to the borg i really think he did that for go a good reason because he had to get them ready um, and, the, and John Delancey, I just think he's, you know, I love him as an actor. I think him and Patrick Stewart are fantastic together. Um, you remember how incredible he was in Breaking Bad? Yeah. Yeah. He was great. He's in it for like five minutes and it just like stole the whole season. And that's like a show filled with amazing actors that is well written. It's yeah. pretty hard to steal something in that show. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then I had a couple honorable mentions, both from, from, well, I guess one is from Deep Space Nine and Enterprise, and that is Jeffrey Combs. I love Jeffrey Combs. He's, you know, su such a great actor. Um, it's crazy to think that he was, uh, uh, he auditioned for Commander Riker all the way back um, when, when they were casting uh, TNG. He auditioned for Riker. And Tim Russ, who went, who went on to play Tuvok, auditioned for Jordy. 
and the guy who played the traveler um auditioned for data like that just blows my mind to think that those actors would be playing those roles um but every time jeffrey combs shows up whether he's jeffrey combs's Riker would have been so weird it would have been so different yeah um which is maybe why they didn't cast him because i can't i I, you know i love jeffrey combs but i just can't see him playing the suave oh yeah man but um you know he was great as uh, shran he was great as wayun he was great as as liquidator brunt um was that Andorian and Enterprise? Yeah, Shran. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you said that. Sorry. Yeah. And, I mean, he did an episode of Babylon 5 uh, in Season 1. Um, yeah, I really like him. And then Andrew Robinson, who played Garrick. Like, Garrick, oh, Garrick yeah. and, and... Mandatory, and, yes. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs and Andrew Robinson. Um, it, it When I see their names as guests, you know, their guest starring in that episode... You know it's going to be a good episode, like guaranteed. Um, Does that mean you would count Broccoli as a guest as well, or is he yes. one of the main cast? No, no, he's a guest star. Even even uh, Whoopi Goldberg is technically a guest star. She okay, was, because that opens this entire category up widely. Oh yeah. Because I thought you meant like a guest appearance, but Broccoli, like we call it Broccoli for a reason. Like he actually didn't he show up in Deep Space Nine as well. Uh, Voyager, uh, no, I don't. Oh, th- there we go. I don't yes. think. Yeah, no, he he no. was. He, he he. I don't think he, he showed up. Yeah, he was. I don't think he, he showed up Voyager on Voyager and Next Gen. Yeah, he was actually in. I want to say the last couple seasons of Voyager, because he was like their yeah. their link. Like they would talk to him, and he was actually on the last episode of Voyager. Um, and then and he, I love it when, oh, I just love how he accidentally became a favorite. Yeah, I, I wish they would have had him on more. I really do. Like, when I was doing that rewatch of TNG, I'm like, why didn't they have him on more? You know, maybe he was busy doing other things. I don't know. But him, him and Whoopi Goldberg. Like, I know Whoopi Goldberg, like, like she really took off, af, like, after Ghost and Sister Act. Um, and, and she was really in demand. My biggest but... issue with her is the Nexus. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like so there so the and I mean yeah that whole thing like now there's a part of Captain Kirk that's still out there because part of him would have been left behind. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to talk about Genesis. Yeah. Um so uh Ragnar, your favorite guest star. You guys have mentioned a lot of great guest stars and and you know Star Trek did have a lot of great guest stars. Um but I'm going to go with Galron. Nice. Yep. Uh, he shows up in Next Gen, and he shows up in DS9. And I think in total he was only in something like eight episodes. Everybody knows who he is. Yep. He's a very ended up being a very important character in a lot of ways, and he just had those super great crazy eyes. Well, that's like I would Q. have to agree. Like Q was only on like yeah, a everybody thing. knows. Like 10 or 11 episodes out of like 700 and some hours of Star Trek. Yeah. Which is funny because whenever I would catch episodes of Star Trek when it was airing on space, I would always seem to hit the Q episodes. Yeah, it's crazy. So it made it feel like he was in more of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, kind of funny that they didn't find a way to get Q into Enterprise because he's in all. He's in Next Gen. He's in DS Nine. He's in Voyager. It seems kind of funny that they never tried to get him into Enterprise. He had no desire to go there. <laughs> yeah. Ah! You know, that could have been it. Yeah. All right. So we are at the last question of the evening. What is your least favorite Star Trek moment? Like, what? what is something that you absolutely did not like? And um, Lillian, we'll, we'll start with you. What, what's your least favorite Star Trek moment? Okay, so forgiving Picard, we're going to swipe that out of the way. Um, honestly, uh, okay, aside from Genesis, which was, I have so many issues with that movie. So many issues. Generations. Um, generations, that one. There we go. I have a brain. Oh, I got good. stuck on the Genesis project, and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Wrong thing. Uh, but generations like that atrocity. It would have to be um, in Discovery. Uh, the you know, I love, you know, when you guys were at Vulcan, probably, I think, year they had the guy who made the Klingon language. Yeah, and Mark talking to him was, Yeah, he's lovely. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think my least favorite moment was when Discovery went and took the Klingon language and they built it into something. But it, it was excessive. Like the first season of Discovery in the very beginning, it ruined Klingon for me. Mm-hmm. It was no longer fun it was exhausting to listen to they they did it in such a way that it was overwhelming and it was just it was just it was it was awful it was terrible and and i think for me that's one of the worst because i went from loving i love the klingon characters uh but they just i'm glad they toned it down like in the later seasons it was not as in your face and it was not as it was just, it was weird. It was, it was strange. It was very strange. Um, but that, that probably stands out as one of my most uncomfortable moments with Star Trek, probably. Yeah, that's like, a good, that's a good one because yeah, like they talk so slow when they're, when they're talking and Klingon on that show. And I'm like, but that's, you know, I don't know. But it's but, also weird that they, they changed the Klingon language. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's okay that you changed how the Klingons look like that's been done before. And I, I thought they looked okay, and I liked the, that they made them more tribal and that there were different tribes. Like, okay, that's fine. But, like, why why change the language, too? Yeah. That's weird. Um, yep. For me, I was going to say uh, when they used Khan's blood to bring Captain Kirk back from the dead in Star Trek uh, Into Darkness. Um. Because they literally, you know, in that movie, they literally found a cure for death. And it is never recognized or acknowledged as being the miracle it is. Like, they literally literally killed off Kirk, which I, at at the time, was like, holy crap, I can't believe they did that. But they established in the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie that this is a different timeline. Anything could happen. So I was like, kudos to them. They did something different. And then they just bring back Kirk after he's literally been dead. And the only explanation is, oh, well, I injected you with some con blood and it brought you back from the dead. And I'm thinking to myself, why is this not a big thing? Like, you literally found a cure for death. You know, like, no one will ever die again in Star Trek. Like, this is a miracle. But yet, they just kind of brush it off because of bad writing. And, um, so I, I hated that. But, 
since we were talking about generations, probably the thing I hated the most uh, was the fact that they killed off Picard's family off screen mm-hmm. in Star Trek Generations. And I understand what they were trying to do. You know, they were trying to get, you know, like uh, Patrick Stewart, who's a, you know, Shakespearean trained actor, you know, to, to have this very power, powerful scene, like with him and Troy, when he's talking about his family and he's upset and he's crying and stuff. And they're thinking, you know, this is going to be Oscar material. Um, no, like they're never going to give you guys an Oscar for, for Patrick Stewart being in a Star Trek movie. Like that's just, you know, especially back then that was never going to happen. Um, uh, but I, I just felt they did them dirty cause I really liked that episode in TNG, the episode family right after the Borg, um, two-parter where Picard goes home, he meets his, you know, we meet his brother, we meet his sister-in-law, we meet his nephew, you know, and him and his brother, you know, they get into a fight and they, and they work things out and they realize, you know, they, you know, they love each other and their family and, you know, the nephew looks up to Picard and then they die in a house fire off screen. And then when in, in, in the movie, when Picard's flipping through his photo album, they're showing pictures of his brother and his nephew, and it's not the same actors from the show. That really bugged me. I remember absolutely hating that. Like, why would you kill off these characters? Um, and then to, to pour salt on the wound all these years later, when they did season two of Star Trek Picard, they don't even acknowledge his brother in that show. Like when Picard goes home and, and you're getting these flashbacks, uh, his mom committing suicide and his dad and all this other stuff. It's like, where's Robert? Like, where, 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 you know, where's his older brother? Like, he's not mentioned. We don't see him. And not only that, but Picard's living, supposedly he's living in his family home in the show. But, but then in generations, it's established that it burnt down and killed his brother and his nephew. And not only that, but they never say what happens to his sister-in-law. Did she die in the fire? They never say. So I, I really hated that. I really hated that. Um, and know. that's basically just bad writing, that the writers didn't keep track of, the, you know, continuity. Yeah. And like I said, there was no need. Like, they wanted to get this emotional, you know, like I said, I really think they were trying to go for an Oscar with, with Patrick Stewart. And he is a great actor, but, you know, the the um, the Academy of Arts and Entertainment, whatever they're called, they don't respect science fiction. They just don't, especially back then. There was never a million years chance that they would have, you know, like, you know, like, they, you know, you might win best score, you might win best special effects, but you'll never win for best acting or best picture. Um, you know, like I remember when Return of the King, like when, when they gave that to, to, um, what's his name there? Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the director's name, but, um, Peter Jackson. Jackson, Yeah. When they gave it to Peter Jackson, like that was a miracle that they, that they did that, but they kind of had to, because this thing is making billions of dollars, you know, and everyone acknowledges it. It was amazing. Yeah. Like they, you know, like the fact that he didn't get one for the first movie was, was a crime. But I think by the third movie, they're like, well, this is the last one. We got to give it to him now. Um, but they just don't respect science fiction. And, and, and it's just a shame that, you know, we lost these characters as a result. And I, I mean, that's just my speculation. I'm not saying, 
I know that's what they what their motivations were, but to me it's the only explanation because really that that whole angle of Picard losing his family like it didn't really play into the show at all, other than when he was in the Nexus and he has this imaginary family of his own. I guess that kind of played into it, but I don't know. I just I hated that. I thought they they did them dirty. So killing off the Picard family. Um, even all these years later, still pisses me off. And it's almost 30 years now. So, all right, Ragnar, that's the end of my rant. What's your least favorite Star Trek movie? That was quite a rant. (laughs) Um, well, there's a lot of bad Star Trek moments. There's definitely some that are just bad writing. Mm -hmm. There's all of New Trek, but... I'm going to say that the the ending of Enterprise was pretty friggin' bad. Yeah. That final episode is so crappy and just it watching that episode you get this like the impression that the studio was just kind of like we hate the show we're done with it make an ending, you know, like mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's no love. There's no love in that in that ending, and it really, really was crappy. Um, I don't think DS Nine had a great ending, but at least it was open ended. They could have come back to it. I don't think they ever will, but they could have. Um, so I'm going to pick that. But I mean, boy, you could you could do a whole podcast on just bad moments in Star Trek. Oh, and I'm sure we will. At some point, <laughs> with Trek 1701, we'll definitely be tackling that topic. Um, but, yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, and, and we talked about this when we did our Enterprise episodes. The, it, was, it wouldn't have been a bad episode if it had been in the middle of the season or something. Um, you know, having Riker oh, and all. It was, a totally cool, it was a great concept for an episode, just not as the series finale. Yeah, it was definitely a... a big middle finger to the fans yep. i think and to the crew because and they, and they uh, you'll you'll catch it when you get to it they make fun of that on uh, lower decks oh okay excellent like i yeah, I, I know i've seen interviews like with that with the cast of of enterprise and even they felt like you know what the hell like we're this is our final episode and we're guest stars in it like that's not right um, so, yeah. And it, and it went nowhere. Like, and, you know, if they were, like, maybe pitching a, a Riker spinoff series, I could see maybe, okay. But the fact that this is supposed to take place during the Pegasus episode, and, you know, Jonathan Frakes is, and, and Marina Sirtis are, are notably older looking in this episode. Um, because it's 11 years after they filmed the original you know, pay, you know, TNG episode. Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely ended on a sour note. That's for sure. But all right. Well, speaking of ending, this is, uh, the end of our episode. So thank you, Lillian and Ragnar for, for joining me on this. I've just been chomping at the bit to talk some Star Trek. It's been, it's been a while since we recorded Trek 1701. And I just wanted to just talk about Star Trek for, for an episode. Um, it was much needed. Yes. And, but before we go, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet. And Lillian, where can we find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Talking Squirrel. That's Talking Squirrel without an A, so it's Talking Squirrel. Um, come and say hello. Excellent. And Ragnar, where can we find you, sir? My main website, RagnarTheTrader.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as RagnarTheTrader. And uh, in about whatever it is, three weeks or so, I'll be in Vancouver at uh, the big Comic-Con there, Fan Expo Vancouver. Awesome. Uh, and um, yeah, I I mostly sell Viking and fantasy stuff, but I am always happy to talk science fiction. Excellent. Um, and like I said, um, we are planning on recording Trek One Seven One by the end of February. Uh, so we will be getting back to Trek One Seven One, and we will be talking about more in depth uh, some Star Trek Voyager, but other topics. Like I said, um, we'll be mixing it up a little bit. Um, all right. So on behalf of myself, Chris Lockhart, and my co-hosts this evening, Lillian Knelson and Ragnar, I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to us top on, talk, top, talk, I can't talk, uh, listen to us talk about Star Trek on the Pop Culture Pub podcast. Thank you, and we will see you again in the not-too-distant future. <laughs>